Welcome in to episode nine of the Print Fest DFS podcast. I am your host, Justin Rue, alongside Scott Bandy, and we are here on a Friday night breaking down the week 10 slate on DraftKings. I mean, it's going to be beautiful. We're going to have the Masters on Sunday afternoon. We're going to have two TVs, Red Zone and the Masters going back to back. It's going to be a glorious Sunday afternoon. We have a wonderful slate with a lot of value, a lot of guys to pay up for. This is going to be a really fun week. I'm really excited. Uh, I found a lineup on Wednesday that I loved, and sitting here on Friday, I still can't poke any holes in it. Whew. What are you thinking about this slate? Uh, I'm really excited for this slate. Um, there's a lot of good values on this slate that I think make lineup construction very interesting uh, and a lot more, um, a lot less difficult than what we're used to, I think. Um, you can pay up for a lot of high-priced guys and not really have to sacrifice much this week. And then, I mean, for the first time ever, we got Masters on Football Sunday. I mean, <laughs> first time, probably last time. I've been watching golf for two straight days. Um, <laughs> watching the cut line all day today, but I'm in good shape in my lineups. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to have two TVs on Sunday. Post it up all damn day, watch football and golf. Uh, but yeah, overall, I'm really excited for this slate. I think it's going to be a print fest. I do too. And I think it starts with the windmill play of the week. And I think if you don't have this guy in cash games, I think you are making a big fat mistake. And it's Kyler Murray. He's 8K. Of course, he's the most expensive player, most expensive quarterback on the board. But let's just run through everything in his favor. This season, his weekly finishes, he's been the QB 5, 5, 10, 6, Five, three, two, and one. He's never finished below QB 10 at all. He's in the fastest paced game on the slate. He's at home. They have a 29 and a half implied total. The last five games, he's averaged 33 points per game. He's pushing the ball downfield now with a 9.6 ADOT. That's top five on the slate. The last five games, he's averaged 9.1 yards per attempt and 70 rushing yards per game. This rushing floor is ridiculous. He had, he's on pace to have the most fantasy points scored of any season among all QBs all time. He only has a 5.7 touchdown rate, which is like ridiculous because Russ is right there behind him, uh, second in points scored, and his touchdown rate is 9.4. So Kyler, you could say, has room to grow in this area. He could throw more touchdowns. He is a total print fest. Kyler Murray. He has 23 rushes of 10-plus yards. That only trails Dalvin Cook. That's a stat from Lord Reeves. That is ridiculous. He is a running back that also throws the ball. 8K against the Buffalo Bills at home. Fastest pace game on the slate. Lock him in. Yeah, um, this is basically, I mean, what we're getting from Kyler this year is Lamar Jackson from last year but with what, double the, the passing volume. <laughs> like. Yeah. Like Lamar Jackson's touchdown rate last year was nine. And we're talking about, I mean, Kyler's at 5.7, which is still, I mean, that's pretty high for a quarterback. Um, just in general, I think league average is what, like four and a half percent or something like that. Um, but he's just bust proof, man. And the rushing that we're getting this year is everything that we've wanted from him. He's excelled all expectations and I, I loved him coming into the year, but, um, but yeah, 8k in most weeks, it's, it's really tough to fit in a QB at that price, but this is the perfect week for it because there's a lot of value at running back receiver 
and even tight end as, as always. So um, I would say Kyler has a better chance of hitting 30 than not. Right. <laughs> so yeah, Kyler. So he's 8k to hit three X. We talk about hitting three X value in cash games to hit three X. He needs to score 24 points. He's reached 24 points in every game this year. That's a He's reached 4x that salary in three out of eight. This is ridiculous. Like, he's going to hit 3x. You just play him because he has this. We've talked about quarterbacks. We talked about it last week. We talked about it basically every week. The quarterbacks that can run and throw, they have multiple outs. They have multiple, just, their upside is ridiculous. He's projecting for around 28 points. I mean, and obviously has clear upside for, for 40 plus in this spot. Play Kyler Murray. And just just move on at quarterback. Yeah, and I think um, even though he is quite expensive for the position, I think that he honestly matchup wise, I think it's a lot better than the other high price guys. You know, like I'll talk about Josh Allen in a minute, uh, or like Deshaun Watson, who's got weather concerns this week. Guys who can have the potential to hit the same ceiling as Kyler, I don't think necessarily that it's as likely this week as it is for Kyler. So, I mean, if we get a 40-burger out of Kyler, it's going to be tough to keep up with that if yeah. you don't have him, in my opinion, because I'm not sure how many quarterbacks are really going to be able to, to, to keep up. So, uh, I think Kyler is a total lock. Um, I can't imagine not playing him on Sunday, and it's the perfect week for it. Yep. Uh, I'll jump in. Like I was saying with Josh Allen, uh, who's on the other side of this game, he's at 7,500, coming off the explosion last week, the absolute windmill, yeah. lock the loop. Josh Allen. Um, the Bills implied team total is 25 and a half, over under, of, I think I saw 56 earlier today. Um, now, Arizona has actually settled in to be about a league average defense um, against pretty much every position. So I wouldn't say it's a, it's a stay away matchup, but it's not a, really a matchup to be scared of. Um, and Buda Baker has been injured all week and he might, may or may not play. I don't believe that he practiced today. Um, I know he didn't practice the last two days and he's arguably their best player on defense. Um, so that would just be a little bit of a bump to Josh Allen as well. Um, you mentioned this is the highest pace game on the slate. Both these teams are top 10 in pace, Arizona at two and Buffalo at eighth. Um, Josh Allen's hit the bonus way more often than we thought he would. The passing bonus, that is. He's hit it five out of the nine games he's played this year, which you would have said that coming in the year. I would have told you you're nuts because yeah. that's not who Josh Allen is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I really like the shootout potential in this game. Like the over, over, over under 56, I think it goes over that. And that's a pretty high number. Um, but here's the thing with Josh Allen. He doesn't have nearly the floor that Kyler has. Even with this up, uptick in passing volume, I mean, we've seen Josh Allen hit under 20 fantasy points on DraftKings several times this year. So while he does have that ceiling that gets him in that Kyler range, um, the floor is not there. Like Kyler Stone floor is 25 points. I truly believe that. Whereas if Josh Allen got like 12, no one can really be mad at themselves. I mean, that, that's what you get with, with Josh Allen. Uh, it's not outside the realm of possibility that Josh Allen leaves this game with like 24 pass attempts and you're dead. And at 7.5K, you really need him to to open up and hit that ceiling. Um, yeah. So I like Josh Allen this week, but I, that's what I was saying. I don't think 
anyone can really compete with Kyler for the best play on the slate. So I like him. He's fine. But for that price range, just, just get up to Kyler. Absolutely. Uh, and then the last quarterback I'll mention is Jared Goff, 6,500. Um, it's a little bit of a non-conventional play for myself because Jared Goff really doesn't provide any type of rushing floor whatsoever. Um, but this is, I mean, we're talking about the Seahawks defense here, right? So matchup. Yeah. 54 and a half over under. I think this match, this game flies way over that. Uh, you mentioned last week, every Seattle game is curious. <laughs> has put up a monumental amount of points. And I think we see that again this weekend. Rams have a 28 and a quarter implied total. Seattle's still allowing the most finished points per game to the quarterback position over 30 points the last four weeks. Um, uh, another thing to mention is that Jared Goff, I mean, we know historically when he, when you pressure him and you don't give him time, he sucks. Well, Seattle is not exactly a good team at, at putting pressure on the quarterback. I think they're 22nd in the league um, in pressure rate, somewhere around 20% of, of snaps. They pressure the quarterback. Uh, only 19 team sacks on the year. Now, I know they did bring in Carlos Dunlap, um, but still, I mean, they've played, what, eight games, so we're talking two sacks a game. That's still towards the bottom of the league. Um, and it's good to mention that Shaquille Griffin's out. Uh, KJ Wright might sit, Jaron Reed might sit, and uh, getting one other, one other piece in that secondary. Don't so we're seeing the league's worst passing defense, worst defense in general is banged up. <laughs> um, so they might just be even even worse, right? So I don't think that he provides the same ceiling as Kyler, Josh Allen, those guys, because I think his ceiling is probably around thirty. Uh, if he really gets hot, maybe he'll put up like 35. But think about what has to happen. He's going to have to throw like five touchdowns to hit that. And you never, you don't really want to bank on that, especially if he's not giving you any type of rushing floor. Yeah, which he's not. Yeah, so I think at 6,500, not necessarily cheap, but it's a great matchup for him. Um, Seattle's averaging 45 passing attempts against them per game. Golf's averaging 35, so that's an uptick in volume that you might be able to project. But still, I think his floor is fine. I think his floor is is pretty – he's very safe this week. I just don't know at that price tag if what it opens up for you is going to be able to hit the ceiling that Kyler's likely to hit. Yeah. I think he's fine enough, but by no means is he a priority or anything like that. Yeah. So moving on to running back, I think there's a couple of plays that are going to be able to get us the value we need to be able to pay up for Kyler and pay up for Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen and all the guys we're going to pay up for. And the first one is the lock of the week, and it's Mike Davis. And we've known this since McCaffrey was rolled out. He's, they, for whatever reason, DraftKings put him at 4K, which is a, a total misprice. He should be right around like 6,500 to 7K if we know that McCaffrey's out. We've been leaning on Mike Davis for multiple weeks in a row with CMC out. So we know he's 4K. He's minimum price for running backs. Uh, he's probably going to be getting 16 to 20 touches with upside for more, probably at least five targets. And he's going to be playing 80% of the snaps. I mean, you just don't see that kind of volume from guys that are 4K. So the volume is absolutely going to be there. The matchup is obviously very daunting here against Tampa Bay. They only allow, they only allow three yards per carry, the number three DVOA against the run. The nice thing is, though, is that Tampa Bay, they do allow the third most receptions um, 
in the NFL and the fifth most receiving yards to opposing running backs. So we know that's in Mike Davis's bag and his skill set to catch a lot of passes. I think that his workload is completely locked in. He's 4K. I, I just think you, you just can't you can't fade Mike Davis. Yeah, he's probably going to be the highest owned player on the slate, if I were to guess. Um, probably not even close. I think <laughs> he's probably going to be like 80% owned. I mean, he's 4K. In, in past games when CMC was out, he I think he got up to like 7K or so. Yeah. Um, so interesting that DK priced him all the way down to 4K, especially Wrong. while they've been pricing up backups this year too. Yeah, that's um, a misprice. Yeah, he'd probably be a fade if he was in that 6 to 7K range. That He would probably be a stern yeah. fade. Yeah. But at 4K, I mean, for that workload, I don't even care about the matchup. He opens up so much. And, I mean, if he scores, I mean, pretty yeah. much if, if he does nothing else but score, he's probably going to hit value. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, for the workload he's getting, it's going to be hard for him not to. Um, and, I mean, in, com- in combination with the ownership, you just lock him in. Yep. Uh, the, the other value running back on the slate is Duke Johnson at 5K. Now, David Johnson got ruled out today. Uh, love that. Hate David Johnson. <laughs> he sucked. <laughs> uh, I think we can all agree that Duke Johnson's a far superior player. Um, now, last year when DJ left uh, early in the first quarter, Duke Johnson saw 83% of the snaps there, there on out. Uh, that is excellent. That's exactly what we want to see uh, going into a matchup like this. He saw 16 carries and four targets, uh, including three red zone touches, which is pretty good. And he, he got in the box. Um, this year, he hasn't been very good as a runner. I think he's averaging like 2.9 yards a carry on very limited workload. He's only got or something. But over the course of his career, he's always been a pretty efficient guy between the tackles. I think in his worst season, he averaged like 4.2 yards per carry. Um, so... I'm pretty confident that he's better than David Johnson at this point in his career. Um, now, in, co- in combination with the matchup, Cleveland's 21st in the league the past month versus running backs, giving up about 24 fantasy points a game. Um, and I really do think that the, the weather concerns in this matchup might actually suit Duke Johnson's skill set pretty well. Um, so coming into the week, I was a big fan of Jerome Watson, but now they're talking about 25-mile-an-hour wins with gusts up to 35 or 40. Kind of similar to that the Raiders game a couple weeks ago that was just real ugly. Um, so I think Houston's probably going to be forced to rely more on their run game and the short passing attack, you know, dump offs to Duke and whatnot. Uh, I really don't think they're going to be able to air it out the way they have the past four or five weeks with Watson. I just don't think the wind is going to is going to open it up to them. Um, so when you combine that weather those weather concerns in conjunction with how many uh, touches he's projected to get, I think there's upside for Duke to get up, like, say, 20 to 25 touches in this game. At 5K, I think it's a great spot. Um, Like I said, I really think the weather might suit him well in the passing game. I think we're going to see a lot of dump-offs out of necessity. Um, So I think he is a perfect value running back on the slate to help pay up it quarterback to get Kyler, to get Devontae Adams at wide receiver. So uh, I also expect him to be pretty highly owned. Yeah, definitely at 5K. It is also the second fastest pace game on the slate. Um, yeah, Duke Johnson is definitely a solid play, and it's a revenge game against Cleveland. So. That's true, it is. <laughs> Hugh Jackson's gone, but it is still against his former team. 
So another play here, uh, priced a little bit higher than, um, than Duke Johnson at 6,400 uh, is Miles Sanders. And he's on the road against the New York Giants, but they are uh, three and a half point favorites at the 24 implied total. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since Miles Sanders has played and he is fully off the injury report. Um, so he, he is, he said he's a hundred percent, he's ready to go. And um, the last time he came off, the injury report and played, he was full go and people really kind of off him. So in his last five games that he's played, uh, he's played 63% of the snaps, 17 touches, five targets per game and 106 yards from scrimmage per game. So really solid production for him uh, and usage of 6,400, I think is a little cheap. Uh, he should probably be right around 7k. It's not, he's not too underpriced, but I think he is fine. You know, they're on the road. Um, and taking on the Giants defense that, yeah, I mean, they give up 3.9 yards per carry. So, uh, you know, it's not a great matchup on the ground there against the Giants, but Miles Sanders is so involved in the passing game. I think that he's, he's a fine, but not great play. I think, um, if he's like your last guy in at running back, um, if he makes stuff work, I think he's fine. Yeah. He's definitely a little too cheap for the workload that he's probably going to see, um, I think that the Eagles have really been missing him in this offense <laughs> in addition to every other weapon that they've had on the team. <laughs> um, but Miles Sanders, he's just a great back. Um, we've really seen him develop over the last year and a half pretty well. Um, it's just really explosive too. He's, he's fine enough. I mean, it's, it's 6.4 K uh, running backs. Not, it's kind of ugly on this slate outside of a, a couple core plays. Um, so I think he's fine. I don't by any means think he's a lock or, or a necessity to fit in, but. Again, he's cheap for the workload, um, and I think he's fine. I think, at least for me personally, I think Duke and Mike Davis are, are locks, or, and if not, they're <laughs> pretty yeah. close to locks. So um, if you want to slot Sanders in there, the third running back position, I think it's fine. It opens up a lot for the rest of your lineup. So he's fine. Yeah. Um, another guy that I like at the running back position is Aaron Jones, 7,100. Um, I love this matchup for, for Green Bay. They're 13-point favorites uh, going into this game against Jake Luton and the, the uh, stellar Jacksonville offense. Um, so here's the thing. Jacksonville over the past month or so is giving up the six month points to the running back position, uh, almost 27 fantasy points a game. Uh, Green Bay's implied total in this game is, is 31 and a quarter. It opened at nearly 34. 34. <laughs> That is insane. Um, so in, in that type of game, here's the thing. Aaron Jones has scored in all but one game this year. And I know a lot of people point to, oh, well, regression's coming. But people have been saying that about Aaron Jones for years. And while some people might say regression, I say, no, that's Aaron Jones. That's this Packers offense. They feed him the rock. They get him in the end zone. Um, and this year we've actually seen a more consistency out of him in a higher floor than we had in the past. He's seen five or more targets in all but one game. Uh, and I think in that lone game, he saw four targets. Um, there were a lot of fears that once Devontae Adams came back that his target share would dip a little bit. And that just hasn't come to fruition. Um, the last two weeks, the snap share has been up to 66%, which is two, two of his three highest uh, snap shares on the season. So that's always nice to see. Um, so I think the floor that he is bringing this year is perfect because you know what the ceiling is. The ceiling, yeah. like I said last week, outside of Dalvin Cook, I don't really think any – and CMC, of course, 
who else is going to get you 45 points and you just say, oh, I mean, kind of saw that coming. You know, it's Aaron Jones. I mean, this is what he does. So uh, with running back a little bit thin this week, Kamara's priced up, though I do think he's going to see ownership. Um, no CMC, no Dalvin Cook, um, no Zeke, even though we wouldn't be playing Zeke anyway. The high-priced running backs, there's not really much to like. So I, I really like Aaron Jones in this spot. In a projected blowout, they should rely on the on the run game a little bit more. Um, maybe the only concern is that they get up too big and pull Aaron Jones, which I wouldn't wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Um, but I really really like access to this ceiling at 7100. Yeah, and the other thing about Aaron Jones, his touchdown upside is is through the roof. As 13 and a half point favorites, you mentioned the massive implied total. He leads the slate in opportunities inside the 10 per game at 2.7. The next highs on the slate is Daryl Henderson at 2.4, Josh Jacobs 2.3, Alvin Kamara at 2. So uh, he has the highest touchdown upside on the slate, 7,100. I, I think that Aaron Jones is really, really solid. I, I think that my three favorite running backs are Mike Davis, Duke Johnson, and Aaron Jones. I think you just jam those three with, with Kyler, and you're well on your way to a, a really solid-looking lineup. I agree. And I, one thing I'll be looking at is to see – the ownership between Kamara and Aaron Jones. I think Aaron Jones is going to be higher just because he's so much cheaper, but I do expect Kamara to see a good bit of ownership. Yeah, one thing about Kamara is, like, in games that he's played with Michael Thomas, he really loses a lot of the receiving production um, and and is against uh, the 49ers. So It's not the best matchup. And he is a little more expensive than Aaron Jones as well. So moving on to wide receiver, I, I think that, this is just another week, like we talked about with Duke Johnson and with Mike Davis, we have value. I think that Devontae Adams, we can just keep on playing him. We keep rolling on parade all along. He is 9K. It's against Jacksonville. Let's just roll out all the stats against him. They're at home, 31 implied total. He's averaged 27 points per game over his last five. His eight out is nice and healthy, right around 10. He's averaged 12 and a half targets per game, a 0.9 weighted opportunity rating over the last five. That's the best on the slate, 121. Yards from scrimmage over the last five. That's the best on the slate. 1.2 end zone targets per game. And now he's taking on a defense that gives up eight and a half yards per attempt. 40 points per game to opposing wideouts. A 68% catch rate. And their 32nd DVOA against uh, the pass. What else do you want? <laughs> this is the best play on the slate. Yeah, he's 9K. The only slight concern here is that they're 14-point favorites, so maybe they blow them out. But I think that Devontae Adams is certainly a big reason that they blow them out. Yeah, I mean, they might blow them out. They might be up, you know, 24 nothing at half, but Devontae Adams might have three touchdowns. Absolutely. Um, and 9K, again, it's the perfect time to play him when there's so much value in the slate. It's not even that difficult to fit him. It's not. It's Kyle. <laughs> It's not. Paper Kyler, it's really not difficult to fit him this week. Um, it just doesn't matter what his price is. He is just the safest player in all of fantasy football right now um, with arguably the most upside of the receiver position. <laughs> so he's the highest floor and the highest ceiling, and I don't care what his price is. I'm just playing him. <laughs> yep. Um, maybe the guy with the second highest floor is my second favorite receiver on the slate is Keenan Allen, 7,100. Um, I don't know what I, I mean. I feel like I talk about him every single week. He's just uber safe at this point. Uh, he's seen 10 plus targets in every game with Herbert. 
with the exception of that week five game against New Orleans where he left early. Um, that's an average of 12.6 targets per game this year with Herbert, which is just ludicrous. 29.5% target percentage is what that comes out to, and it's second in the league at this point for the entirety of the season behind who? Devontae Adams. <laughs> so uh, six highest whopper in the league, 0.65. He's got seven red zone targets in eight games, eight full games played this year. So that's about one a game. Um, that's what we want to see. And the matchup suits him pretty well. Um, Byron Jones and Davion Howard do not play the slot, like at all. Um, combined, they make up for about 15% of snaps in the slot. It's really Nick Needham who's, who's been covering the slot exclusively. Now, I know my uh, the Chargers have been moving around their receivers a lot more this year. Keenan Allen's only playing about 45% of the snaps in slot, but that still leads the team by a wide margin. And I would expect in this game that they'll probably look to scheme Keenan Allen to the slot more to keep them away from those two, two dominant corners. So I think that the floor might even be elevated here. I mean, I can't imagine why the Chargers wouldn't want to scheme Keenan Allen away from those two. Uh, it's worked so far getting him the football. Uh, and I really don't think anything's going to change here either. Um, so again, at 7,100, he's finally priced accordingly, probably even still a little bit too cheap. He should probably be like 7.5 or so. So again, I think he's just as safe as it gets, especially with the red zone equity he's seen this year. Uh, he's a perfectly fine cash player and I'm just locking in. Yep. So another play here that will give us the value we need to pay up for Keenan Allen, Adams, Kyler, it's Josh Reynolds. 3.5K. I don't know how chalky he's going to be. He might end up just being like the, the cash chalk. I don't know. I'm going to play him regardless. So 3.5K, they're at home. Obviously, the, this is the best game environment on the slate. We know that Seattle games, their combined totals go for 65. That's the average. So we know that this game is probably going to go over the total. I mean, look, he, he's ran a route on 84% of the drop, of the team dropbacks over the last three weeks. So he's out there running routes. Van Jefferson was involved early uh, on in the season. Now he's not at all. Um, so he's com- he's completely locked into the wide receiver three role uh, for the Rams. He has a 0.48 weight opportunity rating over the last five games. That's higher than Robert Woods who has a 0.46 over the last four weeks or last five weeks. And he leads the team in end zone targets. He has four. Cooper Cup uh, has three. So, and of course, this matchup, I mean, we we've been, we talk about Seattle every single week. They go up 63 points per game to opposing wide, wide receiver cores, a 72% catch rate, a 29th DBOA. They go up 8.1 yards per attempt. And they also give up explosive passes uh, 10% of the time, which is 27th in the league. So, I think Josh Reynolds, if he's a, he is a full-time player, 3,500. I mean, what are we talking about here against Seattle? This elite game environment. I think this is an awesome salary-saving option. Yeah, I really like Josh Reynolds this week at that price point. He That's one of the values that helps open up, you know, Kyler, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Aaron Jones. Um, to put those numbers in perspective, Seattle not only gives up the most – fantasy points to opposing wide receivers they give up the most fantasy points by 14 they give up 14 more points a game to receivers than the second highest which is tennessee uh that is insane 
So you just load up receivers in, in these games. Like you said, these totals are ridiculous. They're averaging 65. That's unheard of. That's like, that's like Oklahoma numbers. That's what you see in the Big 12. Like, yeah. that is – it's just absolutely ludicrous. He is very, very underpriced um, for the role that he's seeing. Um, so I, I, do, I don't really know what the percentage is going to be just because I – wouldn't be shocked if people go to the Chris Conley or Jakeem Grant route. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me in the least bit. So that might spread out that ownership a little bit. We'll see. Even maybe uh, Jalen Rager, a little bit higher priced. Um, so hopefully that just brings his ownership down because I think of those low price guys, Reynolds is definitely my favorite. Yeah. Um, and another guy I like in that game who I want to talk about is Cooper Cup at 6,900. Uh, now, obviously, you're not really going to play both of these guys. That that doesn't really correlate that well. You're kind of limiting your upside there. Um, but like I said, Seattle's giving up 14 more fantasy points a game to receivers than Tennessee, who ranks second. Uh, over the past four weeks, Cup has really seen a lot, a lot of looks in this offense. He's got a .62 whopper, uh, which makes out for 13th highest in the league over that span. He's running around 92% of dropbacks. So those concerns at the end of last year uh, of how many snaps that Cooper Cup's going to play in this offense have kind of been mitigated. We don't worry about that anymore. Um, he's got a 28.5% target share over the last four weeks uh, compared to 18% for Woods and 17% for Reynolds. Um, now, granted that you have to take into account that he had 20, 20 or 21 targets last week, which is obviously an anomaly. You're never, that's not going to happen again. Uh, so that definitely inflates that number a little bit, but still a relatively uh, high target share compared to those other options in the offense. Um, and again, the Rams are going to be forced to drop back against Russ, who's he, he's going to bring the heat. Um, he brings the heat every single week. Um, opposing teams throw the ball 10 more times, or the Rams throw the ball 35 times a game on average. Seattle gives up 45 pass attempts on game per average. Yep. Good pace in this game. Um, and the other thing that I kind of like about Cup that I didn't realize until I really started looking into him. He only has two touchdowns this year. Uh, and I think that suggests positive regression because, you know, Cup's always been golf's favorite red zone target uh, yeah. the past few years. And I think it's interesting that we really haven't seen that this year. I would expect that progression to hit. Maybe it doesn't hit in this game, but it's got to hit at some point, I would think. Uh, and why not this week in a game where they're going to have to throw, it's going to be high scoring if they, if they want to put up any kind of a fight, they're going to have to put points up on the board. Um, so I really like Cooper Cup. Again, he's a little expensive. Uh, he's in that Keenan Allen range, and I think Keenan Allen's a far superior play there. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to get off the chalk, I mean, I think he's perfectly fine. Yep. So moving on to tight end, um, again, it's just a total dumpster fire, right? With no Travis Kelsey on the slate, the only little guy to pay up for is Darren Waller. I mean, if you have a salary to pay up for him, I think Darren Waller is a perfectly fine play. I mean, he's at home. They have a 27 and a half implied total, which is a little higher than I thought it would be uh, for Oakland, but he's averaging eight targets per game over his last five, a 0.56 weight opportunity, which leads all tight ends. He's averaging uh, 0.8 end zone targets per game. And he's taking on a Denver defense that gives up an 80% catch rate to a putting tight end. So, you know, 5.9 K, it's, it's really just not priced up high enough for the kind of volume that Darren Waller sees, especially at a tight end position that is so barren. And we're just 
grasping for straws every week just to get some kind of production. So I think that uh, he has a lot of uh, target volume that he can really kind of latch onto there at 5,900. Yeah, I mean, he's as sure of a thing that we have at tight end on this slate. Um, I mean, we know that I don't really pay up for tight ends, but the one time I did pay up for tight end this year was Darren Waller. I think he's he's pretty safe in terms of the target share he gets, and it's a really good matchup. Um, so if you want to go that route, it's definitely going to give you a different lineup construction than I think the chalk is going to be. So you could leverage that a little bit in cash games if, if you're confident. Um, so, yeah, for the price, he's, he's perfectly fine. Um, <laughs> here's my punt tight end of the week, 2,700 Tyler Eifert, maybe loaded up windmill style. Uh, last three games played, he's averaging six targets a game. Uh, granted, two of those games were with the Gardner Minshew, and he's going to have Jake Lutton, Luton, whatever the heck his name is, uh, from the ball this, year, this week. But, I mean, he was perfectly fine last week. Um, he actually is second on the team in red zone targets, despite missing a couple weeks. Uh, he has six red zone targets on the year. Um, another thing to consider here is that LaVisca Chenault has been ruled out. Uh, and Tyler Eifert has a similar ADOT to LaVisca. Of those Jacksonville receivers, of Cole... Conley, Shark, and LaVisca. LaVisca has far and away the lowest eight out of them. Yep. And I think that might open up a little bit of higher target share for Tyler Eifert, perhaps, in this spot. Um, especially with a projected blowout. Uh, I think Green Bay is probably going to be able to handle Jacksonville without much issue. Um, so I would expect Jacksonville to throw early and often. I think they're going to be down early in this game. Uh, so I think that just opens up a little bit of upside for Eifert as well. Um, so what I'm hoping for here is like a five for 50 and one. If I get five for 50 and one out of a 2,700 tight end, um, that's just pants off, dude. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, and the thing is, usually with these punt tight ends, they're not starting tight ends. Usually they're like backups, Anthony Ferkser, um, you know, Albert O, who we played at 2,800 last week. But Tyler Eifert's a starting tight end getting actual workload at 2,700. So I don't even know how much of a punt this is. I think it's just a little bit of a misprice. Um, and again, that's value that opens up a lot for the rest of your lineup. Um, I don't think Tyler Eifert's going to get you a zero. I really don't. I think he'll at least get you, you know, five points maybe. So I think Tyler Eifert's perfectly fine. Um I'm probably just going to lock him in uh, unless something changes by Sunday. Although I do like the guy you're getting ready to talk about. Um, yeah. Tyler Eifert's perfectly fine at this price. Yeah. So I want to bring up Dallas Goddard and I, I think he's a little bit underpriced here. So he's, he's fully healthy off of that ankle injury that had him on injury reserve for the majority of the year. So he did come back week eight. He only had one catch, but he did still run a route on 74% of dropbacks. Um, and I would expect that to increase again as he did play like 90% of the snaps. So, you know, we don't have much data to go off of uh, this year for Dallas Goddard, but, you know, they have a, the Eagles have a 24 implied total here against the Giants. Um, you know, his dot in the, the one game that he did play was 13. So if he's going he's gonna to be starting to get the ball downfield a little bit more, I know Carson Wentz wants to start throwing the ball deeper. His average intended air yards is like second in the league. Um, the, the one thing that might be a little bit concerned here is that they're probably going to be getting Alshon back. I don't know how many routes he's going to run. He's probably going to run like 10 or so routes, but Jalen Rager is back. He's healthy. 
Um, you know, Alshon is there. Fulgham has emerged. It's nice that Zach Ertz is out, but Miles Sanders is also there. There might be a lot of mouths to feed here, but at 4,200, we really don't need too much from him. Um, and we know what kind of talent this guy is. And he's a second round pick last year uh, in the NFL draft. And of course, the Giants pass defense, uh, it, it's okay. Um, but they are 28th DVOA against the pass. And they go up a 66% catch rate and 7.9 yards per attempt. So I, I think that Dallas Goddard is perfectly fine here at 4,200. We know the upside that he has. Um, and he kind of proved it there at the end of last year. So um I like Dallas Goddard at 4,200. Yeah, I think had Dallas Goddard not been hurt, he'd probably be in the 5K range or so uh, at tight end. So definitely a little bit of a discount with him coming back off that injury. Um, so, I mean, I've been saying for a year and a half now that I think Dallas Goddard is a better player than Zach Ertz. I know a lot of people might think that's a hot take, but I really don't. I think Dallas Goddard is very, very good. Um he was good when healthy this year when Zach Kurtz was on the field. Um, yeah, they are getting the weapons back, but we've seen that Carson Wentz really does love his tight ends. Um, and at 4,200, again, what do you usually get for 4,200? You get like a Jonu Smith, you yeah. know, that type of player. And I think Dallas Goddard is much better. You know, anything like that. Yeah. Dallas Goddard's a great tight end. Um, so I think he's fine. I mean, it's hard to really expect much from any of these tight ends. So when you get a guy like Dallas Goddard that cheap, you have to consider him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, tight end is just such a barren wasteland. There's a couple other guys out there. I mean, Austin Hooper, if you want to get back to him, uh, the weather in that game is not, is looking like it's going to be like some kind of like tornado or something. Um, but he is 3,900 and he was starting to get some serious volume. He was averaging like eight targets per game um, before he had that uh, appendectomy. Uh, you know, if you want to go back to Hunter Henry, you know, Hunter Henry keeps getting the volume, but just has not had any kind of production to show for it. Or maybe he's in for some kind of positive regression. You know, Logan Thomas, if you want to keep going back to him, he's 3,300 there. He, he has a revenge game against Detroit, his old team, where he was a quarterback, a backup quarterback there. Um, but really not not much to love here at tight end. I, I'm either going to be going Goddard, going up to Waller if I have the salary, or just punting it off. Uh, you know, someone like Eifert or Greg Olson or Jordan Aiken, some some kind of dumpster fire like that. Maybe uh, maybe Jordan Reed or something. Um, but I think we touched on all the best plays that we think um, are going to smash this week. Is Like we mentioned, there's a lot of value. So it, it's kind of weird that we're able to pay up for guys like Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, and – uh, Kyler Murray, because typically when you see a quarterback 8K, I'm like, all right, well, I'm not even going to consider him for cash because that's it's too expensive. I know I'm not going to have the value because I'm used to paying up for Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, the, these high-priced running backs, and like Alvin Kamara. But there's not they're just not on the slate, and we have the value of Mike Davis at minimum price with the value of Duke Johnson. When you can get these guys that are close to mid-price that are going to be getting you know 20 plus touches, I, I think you just have to lock the, that volume in. And then you can pay up elsewhere. I mean, the fact that we can get up to Kyler Murray and Devontae Adams comfortably uh, makes this week feel very, very good. I, I've been locked in on a lineup since Wednesday, and uh, I, I'm trying to poke holes in it. I'll most likely end up on that lineup here on Sunday. Yeah, it's really interesting because usually that 4K range, we 
attribute to a receiver. That's what we're usually looking for going into each week. Okay, who's the receiver value in the slate that we're going to lock in to make the rest of our lineup feel good? But this week, we get it at receiver and running back. And that's what gives us access to paying up for Devontae Adams and Kyler Murray comfortably. Um, it's not hard to construct lineups that really do feel good this week, um, especially when a lot of the best players that we're used to playing are off the slate. Guys like Dalvin Cook, guys like CMC, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it's going to be a really interesting week. I really feel good about this so far. I mean, it's only Friday night, so we'll see. But we're going to keep trying to get the keep the train on the tracks here this week, and uh, I think we're well poised. Also, one note, one note for DraftKings. Can we get our crap together here with the Deontay Johnson pricing? I <laughs> know. Just had to throw that in there. I'm tired of this. Yeah. Yeah, Deontay Johnson. It's just still priced around 5K. It's like it's like they're they just are in trying to entice us because like they know he's gonna get hurt at some point in the game, but <laughs> but he's just if he doesn't get hurt, he's gonna smash that that price every time. Yeah. Just had to mention that because it's just starting to get on my nerves. <laughs> Yeah, Deontay Johnson is someone that's just so hard to get right because you know he's going to be good if he plays the whole game, but good luck trying to figure out if he's actually going to play the whole game. Yeah, it's like choosing a Seattle wide receiver. Oh, yeah, it's just I just don't play any of them. I, I, can't, I can't do the locket thing anymore with how volatile he's been. I, I feel like I'll just play Metcalf every time. I just, I, I just don't play a lot of anymore. Just play Russ. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, or just play Russ. Yeah, if, you're look, if you don't want to play with Kyler – and you don't want to play Josh Allen or any of those guys, just play Russ. You're not going to get wrong playing Russ either. So with that, that's going to do it for episode nine of the PrintFest DFS podcast. We're going to be back on Monday night reviewing our lineups, and hopefully they were PrintFest for us and for you and for everybody. Good luck out there. See you, everybody.